Okay, welcome back, everybody. So, as you guys, I, as I told you guys, I promised Saturday episode, I would give you guys that. I know I haven't done it in a while, um, but I'm ready to give it to you. Saturday episode right here. Uh, and as I told you guys, I'm going to um, continue to bring on guests throughout the football season. We're going into week seven, so we're almost near the halfway point of the season. Um, and I think this is – I feel like now at this point of the season – we know who the good teams are. Like we can tell who the Super Bowl contenders are at this point, somewhat, right? We can, we can we can kind of tell, like those teams that are that seem to be Super Bowl bound or pointing in that direction, or their trajectory is in that direction. Um, and then we have the 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 good teams, and then we have the mid level teams, and then the bottom feeders, right? Uh, so I think we're starting to get a, a good balance of where the league is and where teams are for the most part. Um, but my guest that I have on today, who I, I really respect his football knowledge, um, some of the things that you guys like when we like the salary caps and we, when, I, when I talk about the financials, some of the things that I say, I get them from him and he's really insightful from it. Uh, I, 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 you know, I've met him through Clubhouse and so forth, but he's a really great guy, great sports insight, uh, great sports mind and so forth better person uh i'd like to welcome kenneth clark uh how how you doing kenneth how you doing i'm doing good <laughs> thanks for having me how you doing i'm doing i'm doing fine i'm doing fine yeah for sure um you know it's a pleasure to have you i i, I greatly appreciate you taking the time out your day out of your schedule to uh come on here talk some sports uh, I know people I, I know I can't wait to get to some of these topics I know you know you probably feel the same mm -hmm. yeah so um you came on my show and you blessed me so I, I gotta return <laughs> <laughs> yes yes oh, for sure um and let me just because and, and I think I think my, my listeners know they know okay. I, I'm a cowboy fan and when I started this podcast, the Cowboys were good. As as I continued this podcast, the Cowboys have become mediocre. But now they're good again. So now my listeners are kind of hard on me because now I, it's like every every I gotta have a Cowboys segment. I gotta have a Cowboys segment. Well, ladies and gentlemen, Kenneth is a Cowboy fan as well. But we <laughs> but we take our Cowboy fandom out of it. I swear we do. <laughs> and, and, and you know, it's funny that you say that. Yeah. That we are Cowboys fans. I, I didn't. I didn't talk about the Cowboys just because I was like, you know, I want to be biased. I didn't talk about the Cowboys to like episode twelve on my show. <laughs> oh wow! I, I want to fan out, so I, I I spaced it out. So we we're fans, but we can only fan out every once in a blue moon. Right, right, right. And and with me, I haven't been. You know, I'm not gonna lie. There's been a couple big wins. I haven't held back. Mm -hmm. I, I've had, I haven't held back, but um. <laughs> I'm going to give you guys another Cowboy segment, and, and it's only right. So, Kenneth, tell me this, because uh, I think, I, I, as I've mentioned over the last couple episodes, I've told my listeners, I was like, and I usually I usually don't talk as loosely about the Cowboys um, and talk as freely as I do usually, uh, or more so even positively, but I'm like, this Cowboy team, they're 5-1. and one. You could have made an argument that they've they, they should be 6-0, and oh. That you can make a great argument that they could be six and zero. Uh, the games that they have played in, they haven't played a bad game. The worst game no. that they probably they, they that they probably played was probably this past Sunday versus New England, where they had a lot of penalties. 
a lot of uh, just a lot of just discipline issues where it just it could have cost in the game. But other than that, the first six games of the season, the Cowboys have not played. They've played really good football. And I've told my listeners, I'm like, this is pro- this is the most balanced Cowboy team that I have seen in the last 10 years. And I think this team is legit. Can no, 100 percent. 100 percent. Can you tell me how dangerous the Cowboys are? Well, they're very dangerous. And it's funny that you say balance because they are balanced, but they're not complete. Mm. Um, and there's no, there's no issue with that. Um, I think when, when you're looking at a, a team, it, it doesn't need to be complete. It needs to complement each other. The, the thing that makes Dallas so dangerous is because they have a explosive, versatile offense, and they have a defense that's dangerous. Not, not elite, but dangerous because they can rush the passer and they can take the ball away. And that's a recipe for success anytime you dial it up. If you look at, you know, let's look at two teams, uh, the 2019 Kansas City Chiefs. They were not can we can agree, Isaiah, they weren't great on defense. No. They didn't stop the run very well. Uh, they were they were above average at rushing the passer, but what did they do? They got a hell of a whole lot of takeaways. Mm-hmm. And, and it, it complemented their offense. And they played situationally good. Yep. Right? Let's look at the 2009 Saints. The 2009 Saints did not have an elite elite defense by any measure. But no. guess what? What did they do? They led the league in turnovers and scoring and scoring defense. And they rushed the passer pretty well. They got sacks. So it it, it has to Fit, it has to complement each other, and that's what this Dallas team does well. Um, a lot of people get caught up. They say the defense is overrated. The defense isn't overrated. They're they're doing exactly what they need to do. They were historically bad last year, and now they're average. They, watch this. They get, they're getting takeaways. We're, we haven't seen a Dallas team that can get takeaways like this in probably since 09, maybe. <laughs> I mean, it's been a long 09? time. It's been a long yeah, time. A long time, right? <laughs> long time. I know I, know I was either in, in high school or just getting out, right? <laughs> So that just shows you how long it's been. So uh, this, this is a dangerous team. It, 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 uh, they have a lot of things working for him. Um, I can go on and on about Kellen Moore. He's going to be somebody's head coach next year, whether it be for the Dallas Cowboys or another team. So Jerry Jones and Steven are going to have some, some big decisions to make. But he built an offense that can literally tailor the game plan based on the opponent that is facing. And you've seen that every week, yep. right? And they're so versatile because you have two tight ends, Alton Schultz, Blake Jarwin, Dak Prescott is playing out of his mind. He's he's kind of bounced. He's knocked this game up. He's become an elite quarterback. You have one of the better running back tandems we've seen in a while in Ezekiel Elliott and Tom Holler. Offensive line is improved. Um, receivers, Cedric Wilson's making big play every single week, and he's Dallas's number four receiver. So he's what Kellen Moore is doing with this offense is second to none, and and, and I think that he's a probably the main drive force behind this 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 five and one run. Um I, earlier you heard Dan Quinn. Dan Quinn did exactly what the hell he was supposed to do. Mm-hmm. Dan Quinn he, he wasn't he wasn't supposed to come in here and create the steel curtain. Not at least not overnight. No. <laughs> right. Last defense was his if I'm not mistaken through eleven games they were this. They had the second. They had allowed the second most rushing yards since the merger, and I think that was in what nineteen six, nineteen sixty nine, somewhere up in there. Correct me if I'm wrong. I think so. so. Um, you know, they were never going to be great or become elite overnight. But what he did was he made them average. They they make timely stops. They take the ball away, and they can rush the quarterback. So uh, yeah, this Dallas team is very very dangerous. 
Um, I think if they're and, and and they're still getting healthy, right? They don't have everybody. Michael Gallup is Michael Gallup might be back after the bye. Mm-hmm. Demarcus Lawrence is hurt. They're playing the defensive. The front seven is playing good football without Demarcus Lawrence. Their best player, probably our best run stopper. Yeah. Um, our best player. Yeah, yeah, it's the, arguable. You yeah. Know? And, and then obviously, you know, I, I guess I got to I got to show love to to these guys, uh, Michael Parsons and, mm-hmm. and Trayvon Diggs. Yeah. They're the they're the young. They're the young, energetic talent that's kind of like, it, it, you know, we, we can say enough about Trayvon Diggs. He, he has seven interceptions in six games. Right. But Michael Parsons has kind of added, it's kind of added an edge to this defense that they haven't had a linebacker for in a while since Sean Lee was in his prime. So yeah, uh, yeah. So that that's kind of where we're that's kind of where we are uh, with this team. Uh, Dak Prescott once again it, becoming an elite quarterback, but he's he's kind of. It's kind of Tom Brady esque, you know, <laughs> it, where it's not flashy, it's not sexy. That's why, you know, I'm I, I, I had a I put a a post up on my story, a poll, you know, between asking who people would pick for their MVP, Kyler Murray or, or Dak Prescott, and naturally people chose Kyler Murray. Um, and, and it's nothing against Kyler Murray. I just think Dak Prescott's playing every bit as good, if not better, than he is. Mm-hmm. But it's not as sexy. It's more technical. It's okay. I'm not worried about making these big, exciting plays i'm just trying to win a football game and that's what Dak prescott is doing right absolutely and i mean we can talk about the defense the defense i think you make a great point it's a dangerous team they're well balanced but they're not complete because the the, defensively i think I, i was talking about it on my previous episode i was like this cowboy team is really good i think they're good enough to wear could they find themselves in an NFC conference championship game? Possibly, you know, given the right matchups and hint, you know, we we know how to we know how to think those things go. But yeah. I think could they use a safety, another safety in the back end? I think they could. Could they use a, a, a second corner beside Trayvon Diggs? I think they could. So there's, I don't. It's not a massive hole, but there's holes in their roster that could be tweaked. Um, that could form this team into a com- being a complete team, but they're balanced, they're deep, and they are dangerous. And I, I get so happy talking about the Cowboys and this defense and the way how they first ter- force turnovers because for such a long time, for such a long time, the Cowboys defense have just struggled to force turnovers. And the fact that they have a guy, I, I mean, Trayvon Diggs, He's turned into one of the best, if not the best, like playmaking corner as far as just turning over the football. I, I think it's phenomenal. And with Diggs, yeah. you know, I, I've been I've been joking with people. I'm like, there's three things you can count on: death, taxes, and Trayvon Diggs catching the pick every Sunday. Like he, he catches the pick every Sunday. I'm just I, I'm just waiting for. It. I'm just. I just want to know when, when it's going to happen. Is it going to happen in the fourth quarter? I, you know, I'm just waiting on when it's going to happen where he catches an interception because he's like a magnet to the ball. Um, but you make a great point about Dak Prescott as well. I, I think this guy, Dak, you know, he literally, I feel like he literally gets better every snap. Every snap he takes, every rep he takes, he gets better. I was talking about Dak Prescott's accuracy. His accuracy and his mechanics have improved dramatic, dramatically. Like in the last two, like two, like think 2018. 2018 from now, Dak's improvement as far as his accuracy and his mechanics 
it's it's just it's just like he's the he, I think he's like the definition of just grinding and of being a grinder and working hard, and it's now just paying out. And like, can you name five of the quarterbacks that's playing better than Dak Prescott right now? Can you? And I, I can't, I can't. And 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 people that and people that feel like they can, you're not watching Dak Prescott because Dallas Cowboys fans didn't believe that Dak Prescott could be this good. Um, and, and to tell you the truth, it was. I actually thought that Dak Prescott was going to be uh, a career top fifteen quarterback, and I and I was ready to live with it. I was ready to accept it for what it was. Um, I thought he was going to be more along the lines of maybe what J- Jimmy Garoppolo was for San Francisco when they went to the Super Bowl. Mm-hmm. Not I- extremely overwhelming, but can be a big piece of the puzzle. But uh, I, it was 2019, and I don't know if you remember Dallas. Uh, they played Minnesota that year. I do. And um, a very infuriating damn game because, you know, <laughs> Prescott, no, yeah, because, you know, we saw how the game ended. They tried to give the ball to Zeke uh, three to four times, and we turned the ball over on downs, mm-hmm. and we lost the game. Yeah, yeah, woo, woo. But it's funny, until that – 2019, we Dak came out throwing the ball very well. He had some struggles, right? Had some losses, but it was that game that I watched. And I said, "Oh, there is another level to this thing. Like he can, he, he can, he can get better than this." Mm-hmm. Um, and you saw him making these tight window throws. I have to call them big boy throws. He was making big boy throws in that game. Um, he had that. He had that. Uh, that same. That same touchdown to Randall Cobb mm. for a touchdown. Uh, on a broken play. Um, I mean, just made a lot of big throws in that game. That Amari Cooper touchdown. Just, yeah, the Amari Cooper touchdown on the uh, on, the, 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 the sideline. Side yep. Yeah, on the sideline. Yes, mm-hmm. 100%. Yeah. So, you, you know, you watch, like, wow, this guy, he's really working on his craft. And you're right. It has paid off. And Dak Prescott said it in an interview earlier this year, earlier this season. He said, I put a lot into this. And you can't do anything, but and even people that hate him, you can't do anything but respect what he's done he's worked on his craft he's worked on the little things and he's playing this well not because he's so astronomically talented because he doesn't have the best arm mm-hmm. he doesn't run a four three forty like lamar jackson but he really has focused on the little things and now that's pushed him into being um a top five and <laughs> and i would i would argue at least this season right now a top three quarterback absolutely i mean <laughs> and it's funny because you're right kenneth like the first couple seasons, like obviously the rookie year was great, right? You know, but that was a lot. A lot of that had to do with great offensive line. Zeke was historically good for a rookie, and everything just fell right into place. Last place schedule, you know, teams didn't have film and so forth. But then I've, because I've watched a lot, just about, I'm not going to say all of his snaps as a Cowboy, but I have watched a mass uh like a mass majority of his snaps as a cowboy and you're right mm-hmm. many cowboy fans did not think he would get to like he could play at an MVP caliber level basically like mm-hmm. and that in the running narrative of oh the cowboys they can't throw the ball 50 times and win football games yes they can is yes, it they, no yes they can yes they can is it necessarily the best and the most efficient way at times? Mm, probably not, but they can do it. And I'm just so glad. If they have to. If they have to, right. And I'm just so yeah, glad they to, yeah. that they can win games in a mul- like multiple ways. Because my fear of this Cowboy team going into this year 
was that every win was going to be a shootout. But that's literally been the opposite. You know, there's been some close games, but they're, they're obviously they've had some blowouts in between and so forth. Um, and that speaks to how good the defense is. Now, last thing about the Cowboys, uh, Mike McCarthy. Mike McCarthy. I, I, <laughs> I think he's going to bring it up. <laughs> yeah. I, I, it's, it's, it's no way. I can't. Uh, yeah. uh, I mean, yeah. He's the. Well, I was oh, going to. Go go I was going to say. He is the weak link of this team. He's the. He's the. He's the weakness of this team. He's the biggest weakness of this team, and I think my fear is, what happens if the Cowboys run into? I don't know the Rams with Sean McVay, where after when the when the Rams lead at halftime, Sean McVay is undefeated. Uh, like what happens when you run up against Kyle Shannon, these off, these brilliant minds, just, just brilliant young coaches. What happens when you have Mike McCarthy on your side as your coach? I, I, I just can't fathom that, but you tell me your take on Mike McCarthy and how he's been doing this year. Well, you've, you've heard me say this before watching Mike McCarthy coach makes me respect Aaron Rodgers even more <laughs> yes so every time you know uh he makes a bad decisions um he says it's analytics and he tries to in- incorporate all this extra stuff he's just he doesn't have aaron Rodgers said this about him um he's on record saying this um that he didn't feel like mike mccarthy has a very high football q iq and, and sometimes i can see that now um i don't want to make it a complete bashing session because one thing i think mike mccarthy did do is he really has created a culture um of accountability and, and he's a big part of the chemistry um that's currently in that locker room. That, that team has great chemistry. That's one thing I cannot take away from them. It kind of gives me 2014 vibes. Where, okay. Cause 2014, the 2014 Cowboys really weren't special talent wise. They just had this great chemistry and they were running a damn football with Michael Murray. But I think that this team is a, is a lot. Um, it's very similar. Mm-hmm. And I think that Mike McCarthy is kind of on par with, with Jason Garrett. Jason Garrett wasn't a great coach uh, either. I don't think he had an extremely high football IQ I, I, as well, but yeah, I, I think that's where it, it gets difficult. Now, I do have more faith in what the Dallas Cowboys can do because of how how Dak is performing. And if you have, it's been proven time and time again, if you have a great quarterback, a great quarterback can can erase a lot of mistakes. Yep. And I think that if you look at this, even this last game against New England, the truth is, guys, you know, as much as people are like, oh, it shouldn't have been that close. You guys, good teams don't make that many mistakes. And only good teams can make that many mistakes and win that game. And still win, right. And still win, and still win. And Dak is a humongous part of that. The defense made some plays, but in the end, I mean, you look at its fourth quarter with less than than two minutes left, and Dak drives down the field and gets the field goal. And he he gets that big fourth down path to Cedric Wilson. So if the fact that Dak is playing so good, I think that, I think that, that Dallas has a chance, and I think that they can possibly overcome Mike McCarthy. And I think that Keller Moore is calling some of the best football he's ever called in his life um, right now. So uh, strong offensive coordinator, strong defensive coordinator, great quarterback. I, I think that they have a, a good chance. 
I think it's all about minimize. I think it's a great thing that Mike McCarthy isn't the play caller. If he is the play caller, you have some some things you have to worry about. Um, <laughs> but as far as the critical in-game decisions, I think as long as this team can perform and, you know, they're going to run into some adversity, but as long as either the defense or the offense is continuing to make these timely plays, get turnovers, get sacks, and and the offense is continuing to score, I think that they have a chance to overcome it. Because I, I tell you this, I don't think that any defense in the National Football League can stop Dallas. If Dallas is playing their game, I think that they can find a way to, to almost embarrass any defense just because they're so deep. So it's just you have to minimize uh, – you, have to, you you can't put Mike McCarthy in a place where he has to make these critical decisions. Mm-hmm. If, if, you do, if he does, then, then that's where you can run into some trouble. But as long as you kind of are ahead of the eight ball, you have a chance. Agreed. Okay. And so great quarterback, great coordinators can overcome average coaching or average decision-making. 100%. I, 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 can, I can roll with that. I, go ahead. <laughs> No, no, no. That's exactly what it. That's exactly what it is. Precisely. Oh, okay. I can. I can. I can definitely attest to that and agree with that. Um, I, I think, you know, Mike McCarthy. You you bring a you bring up a good point about the culture that he's built. Uh, I think that's I think that's a a, a point well taken. Uh, about that. Um, I'm gonna take. We're gonna take a quick break, really quickly. Uh, uh, but we're gonna get back to the. We're gonna bounce to the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, and talk about some of their issues and concerns that we may see with them. But uh, I'll be back really soon. Hey, y'all. I mean, okay, you want some new sportswear? You want some new sports apparel? You want to rep your favorite team? What are you waiting for? Go over to the 47 brand. They have up to a 30% sale right now. Up to a 30% sale right now at the 47 brand. They have your favorite teams. It don't matter what sport, what league. It can be college football. It can be NBA, NFL, MLB, um, NHL. It does not matter. The 47 brand has it. Go over there. Rep your favorite team. Don't miss out on that sale. The 47 brand. Okay, everybody, we're back. Um, I'm back with Kenneth Clark of the Break Room Breakdown Pod Sports Podcast, uh, host of it. Really good podcast. You guys should check it out. Um, but we're back. We're going to talk about the – we're going to bounce to the Kansas City Chiefs. Um, so obviously another team that I've been talking about uh or that I talk about often is the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh I think offensively they're probably second to none and they have had their issues as far as with the turnovers and, so, and turnovers and so forth. Uh but I think my biggest concern is their defense. Uh so Kenneth, I want to pose the question. Uh do you think the Kansas City Chiefs can bounce back at 3 and 3? Yeah, they uh, absolutely. They can they can bounce back uh, a little bit different. So, if I can point this out, mm-hmm. I, I want to I want people to understand this. They're not a fluke. They were never a fluke. Um, they're and to tell you the truth, even though they're making some mistakes, they are really the same football team for the from the past two years. Mm-hmm. The only difference is is they just have to get back to what their formula is and their formula is explosive offense and offense that is situationally good. And the issue is, is I think obviously their defense is kind of taking a step back and offensively, they're just not clicking right now. Now, if the AFC 
wasn't as deep as it is now and you you don't have like you know buffalo is, is catching fire and you know baltimore is five and one currently as we speak to mm-hmm. and tennessee is kind of showing some good things so all that happened all you guys are witnessing is you're seeing the rest of the afc just caught up to them that that's literally it the, the kansas city chiefs were never special my, my my theory on them is that they just understood their identity a lot better than other teams so they they knew they they didn't play good defense. <laughs> they yeah. knew they knew who everything that they're running into now is not a surprise to them. Mm-mm. They knew at some point, like man, if offensively we're off just a little bit, we're gonna lose some football games, and yeah. we're seeing that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's a. I I think a couple. So I went this past weekend. I went to the Kansas City Chiefs and Washington football team game, and uh-huh. um. I, I basically said it's a good team with a lot of flaws. Like this team has a lot of flaws. Uh and and and, and so offensively, let me start with offensively. Offensively, they're not clicking. Now they can get they can now they can flip a switch just like that and put 30 on your head. Um, but they only they only have punted the ball 10 times as an offense. Uh they still average seven yards per play. So they're still really good offensively. They're, they're, I mean, it, it's 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 pretty much them in Dallas. Like you look at Dallas. I think Dallas, uh, had the, I think Dallas averages the most yards per play, um, and per game. But Kansas City's like right there. So they're still a really good potent offense. It's the fact that they lack a running game that's starting to catch up. They they're you know the Clyde Edwards Elair pick in the first round a couple years ago uh, hasn't quite panned out, and now he's injured. And now it's just a it's just a kerfuffle at the running back position. So then I think the most important thing is the turnovers. You know, obviously we can point out Patrick Mahomes. He has eight interceptions so far this year. He had six all all of last year. Um, and there and sometimes I, and you know what it is with Patrick Mahomes. And I realized I was at the game too. So I was in the Kansas City Chiefs section section, and I think it was a red zone turnover. And he had bought it was a bad snap. He had bobbled the snap. Then he had picked it up. Somebody was about to tackle him, and he just threw it up in the air, and it got picked off, and the Chiefs fans were livid. <laughs> but then the second half, the similar situation where Mahomes is scrambling, you know, doing his Mahomes magic thing, and then he finds Tyreek Hill for a first down and so forth, and the Chiefs fans are like, oh, my God, we love this guy. And I'm like, that's what it is. The same thing that we fell in love with Patrick Mahomes is kind of like the same thing why – you know, he kind of makes those bonehead decisions at times. Um, but offensively, they're going to be fine. Defensively, I think there's a lot of holes. I think there's – on my previous episode, I broke – I kind of broke it down for my for my audience where, uh, I, I, you know, Spags, Spagnola, he's a guy that's known for dialing up a lot of heat, uh, and he, he, he plays a lot of disguised coverages. And the point that I made uh, that I pointed out was – with playing a lot of disguised coverages, it's going to lead to some mistakes, right? Mistakes here and there because, you know, all these different schemes that you're drawing up and so forth, you got to make up because of the talent level just isn't up to par. But when you look at the Chiefs' defense, especially versus like a like Buffalo, that Buffalo game, it was just so many blown coverages and so many blown assignments and so many missed run fits um it was just uh, it was it was bad and i think the first step is moving back 
moving Chris Jones back to D tackle. Um, because for me, I think it's nothing like, you know, it's nothing like getting penetration up the middle, uh, getting pressure up the interior, that interior pressure up the middle. It's just something different with it's, it's just something different about it. And Chris Jones brings that element. And I, and, and you know, to be honest, Kenneth, you, you kind of, you talked about it a little bit, but the talent level just isn't there. And some of the guys over the last couple of years that's been playing well, they're just not playing well this year. You know, the, some of the guys that, you know, some of the guys that they traded for just, just, they're just not living up to what they thought they would, that, you know, living up to what they thought they're going to get. And I think Chris Jones is like their only blue chip player on defense. Uh, I think, I think the honey badger has lost a year or two. So, I mean, can you speak on the talent level of this Chiefs defense? I mean, I think you you kind of hit it right on the head. I think they have very average talent. Um, they have average talent at corner. Tyron Matthew is probably secondary wise. Tyron Matthew is probably the only notable player that they really have. Yeah, I know they uh, they drafted a young safety uh, a few years a few years ago, um, a couple years ago that I think is pretty good. But he's not even starting right now. If I'm mistaken, I'm forgetting the kid's name. Forgive me. For is that. it Swarson? Some it's some something like that. He's, okay, I know he's he, he's a young kid. I forget. I think he played in Virginia. I forgot, I forgot what school he went to. I have to make sure I uh, do my due diligence on that. But I know you know he's he's pretty good. He can take the ball away. But outside of that, they don't have. They got Shadavious Ward at corner. He was a he was on our practice squad when they poached him, and then he started for him. And I, I mean, granted, he helped them win the Super Bowl. So that just kind of gives you an idea about their secondary right. linebackers. It, it, look, it, we can almost argue that they're they're the Dallas Chiefs, right? Because you know they got uh, Anthony Hitchens, uh-huh. they got uh, Damian Wilson over there. <laughs> yeah, um, they yeah. Now they did draft uh, uh, they did draft a really good linebacker, Izzo, um, who's a rookie. Who, who is uh, maybe not a really athletic? He's more of a thumper. They're playing him at at, at, at inside backer, and I think that he he's gonna she showed some stuff that maybe if they build around him, they could be better in the future. But you're right; they don't have a, a, a outrageous amount of talent. They have Frank Clark. I, I've always said that I, I think Frank Clark is a is a good but not great pass rusher, mm-hmm. and even sometimes he's not even that good. He's just he's just kind of above average or a, a, as per usual. So if they don't have a lot of talent. They understand that. Um, I think that they thought that Spags was kind of going to be able to work his magic. But if we look at some of the, he had success, he definitely had blue. He had a, a, a vast majority of, of blue chip players on his defense line. When he's in New York, he had like three or four pro bowlers on his defense line. Right. So um, he doesn't have that in Kansas city. And it's just it's just kind of unfortunate for them. So they're just going to have to weather the storm. They're not going to be special. They're not going to turn it around. They're not going to learn how to take the ball away overnight. And they're really not going to get any better at rushing the passer. I think the only thing for them is just to figure out, okay, how can we minimize mistakes? If we can minimize mistakes, not get drug up and down the field, then we have the best chance to win. Mm-hmm. And yeah, it's funny. The first two weeks, last thing about the Chiefs, uh, the first two weeks I watched them, they played Cleveland and Baltimore. And mm-hmm. uh, they, they even though they beat Cleveland, Cleveland kind of controlled a, a, a vast majority of that game um, and, and, was, and was having their way on the ground. Um, and then Baltimore, obviously, Lamar has been spectacular. And Baltimore did its thing. It actually, they, they came back from a deficit and then – Baltimore beat them so uh, you know I, I I took those first two games and I was like uh 
I don't know if it's I don't I don't want to panic too fast because you know I looked at Cleveland. Cleveland has a really good offense. <laughs> you know their offensive line is elite. Uh, you look at their PFF. Yeah, you look at their PFF grades. You know a lot of five of their guys are like amongst the, you know each position each position. Uh, and the same thing with Baltimore. Obviously, we know Baltimore they can run the football. So I didn't notice it until then. But then I saw the Chargers loss, and it, it became like noticeable where this defense just doesn't have um it's just they're just not playing you know like you said the chiefs the 2019 chiefs were very optimistic uh optimistic and they turned they turned you over this chiefs defense don't do that they don't make you feel like they don't feel and they don't make you feel any type of uncomfortableness so so let, let, me, let me phrase it like this all right mm-hmm. i don't have brothers i have older cousins right or maybe you have kids you grew up with in a neighborhood who knows right right you, you know you ever have that one individual that when you were young you just you couldn't beat them whether it was in sports whether you were fighting or wrestling you couldn't beat them but then you got older you got a little bit more confidence about yourself and then you're like this is the person that i was scared of the whole time <laughs> like this is the person that i couldn't beat and that's what's happening in the afc teams are realizing that the the kansas city chiefs can only beat you one way they can only beat you with an explosive offense. And it, and if that is any, if their offense is any less than phenomenal, they, they're not going to win as many football games. I mean, last year they went 15 and one, and it wasn't because they were just better than everybody. They just played their game. They played their brand of football. And, and now it's just kind of getting to the point where it's catching up to them. Um, I, I tell people all the time when you compare them to, you look at when the Patriots ran, ran, ran the AFC. The Patriots ran the AFC for the better part of 20 years, yeah. right? So, but one thing that was consistent with them is that they could beat you. They could win in a variety of different ways. Mm-hmm. Um, one year or multiple times in the same year, maybe they're, they're, they can beat you with the running game. They can beat you with the pass. They can beat you with special teams. They can beat you with defense. Yep. Kansas City can't do that. They, they're they're, they're kind of... Uh, they're one, like trick one trick pony. Yep. They're one trick pony. Yeah. So they only have one way to beat you. And unfortunately that one way hasn't, it hasn't been clicking. It hasn't been explosive enough to get them the wins and make up for weaknesses that they have on defense. So that's all you're saying. And you're saying other teams kind of make the jump to, to kind of be on par with what they're doing. Yeah. And I think this is a good segue. Uh, speaking of other AFC teams, uh, the Baltimore Ravens with all of the injuries uh, to either the running backs, uh, the running back group, um, on, yeah, some injuries on defense, offensive line, somewhat kind of makeshift, uh, you know, at you know at, to start the season, there were some questions about some of the offensive linemen, and six weeks in or seven weeks in, they find themselves five and one, sitting atop of the AFC North and the AFC as a whole. Um, and I don't think they're necessarily the best AFC team. I think that's the Bills, but you're only as good as your record says, right? Uh, with Baltimore, <laughs> Lamar and, and Lamar, and let's just be honest, <laughs> Lamar has been spectacular. He's been really yes. good. He, he, you know, he's been he's been Lamar Jackson. Um, how real do you think the Ravens are? They're real. But the difference is now I don't, at least right now, and this is not me downing them. Mm-hmm. I'm just looking at their division, their their mm-hmm. conference as a whole. I I don't think that they're 
a serious contender, at least not right now. I have to see a little bit more. Okay. But they're a very dangerous team to see and, and come playoff time. And, you know, my point with that is scrappy teams are very dangerous. They don't always win a championship, but scrappy teams are dangerous, especially come in December and January. Because, you know, if you're, especially if you're a dominant team, you, you know, you're, well, obviously we saw we'll take a loss the other day to, to Tennessee. That, right. that wasn't pretty. But if you haven't played a team like like Baltimore who really grinds it out and is very resilient, that's mm-hmm. what Baltimore's showing. Baltimore is resilient. If you can overcome all the injuries they've come, they've overcome mm-hmm. and be five and one at this point of the season and be the clear-cut best in your division when you have, let's forget the Steelers, their average team, but Cincinnati has made improvements. Uh, Cleveland, I think Cleveland has kind of stayed afloat. They lost the they lost uh, last night to the Denver Broncos, but they're still a pretty solid team. Mm-hmm. But for them to be 5-1 and one at this point, it speaks volumes on what they're doing, what they have in that locker room. So they're, they're real. You know, maybe not real contenders, maybe not real contenders, but they're really dangerous, right? So uh, I, I think that they're a team that everybody should kind of be wary of. We could easily turn around and and, and we could be in, in December, and I could probably have a different opinion. I could be like, okay, these guys are, are legitimate contenders. To me, the only thing that's holding them back is if they can establish a running game outside of Lamar Jackson. That's the only thing that's hurting them. So maybe they commit to one guy, um, you know, whether it be. Devonte Freeman or, or or one of the other many three four other running backs that they signed off the street. Hopefully, <laughs> Devonte Freeman can get it done. But if they can establish a running game, they have a chance to possibly be really special. Um, we've seen some players kind of take a step forward. Mark Andrews took a step forward. Um, Hollywood Brown has taken a step yes. forward. Lamar, yeah, they they they're they're they've kind of they they're really in that progression system and they're really taking the next step. Lamar Jackson, I think his completion is his completion percentage has improved from 64 to 67. His yards per completion has improved from 7 7.3 to 8.3. So the improvement is there. They have the coach. They have a, a formidable defense. They may not be top two, top three, but they're definitely formidable. You're not going to run all over them and do whatever the hell you want to do. So I mean, yeah, they're 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 a legit team. I give them that. I just don't see them. They, to me, they lack firepower to beat a team like Buffalo when, mm-hmm. when the chips are you know when the chips are down. But I can once again, I could easily be wrong. Right, I, and I, you know, I agree to a uh, to a certain degree. Like they're obviously a playoff team. Um, I I'm not sure if they. I, I don't think they're necessarily better than Buffalo. I feel like Buffalo, to your point, has more firepower, and Buffalo they're healthier. And I think Buffalo all around just has a better team. Uh, and my long and my my biggest concern, I'm not gonna say my long concern, but my biggest concern with Baltimore um going down the stretch mm-hmm. of the second half of the year is uh being too Lamar dependent. And that speaks to what you were talking 100%. about uh with the running game. Can they find uh options in the running game outside of Lamar? Right, because you don't want to, you don't, because you, because Lamar, as great as he is, and he's never like had like any serious injuries. Like it's, it's kind of, it's just so difficult to get like a good hit on him because he's just so athletic, you know, he's just so athletic and just, yeah. you know, um. But I think that's the thing with the Ravens that kind of worries me. Don't I hope they don't just become too Lamar dependent where it's Lamar or bust. Because it, it, all it takes is a bad half, um, or you know, bad quarter, 
bad couple drives. And Lamar, and, and, you know, throughout this run, because he's had a really good run throughout these last several weeks, um, but he's prone to have a bad quarter or a bad half or a bad couple possessions where it's like, uh, what's what's going on? Like the Indianapolis game, I think, is a good example. I mean, first half, <laughs> we, we that didn't like Lamar Jackson. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. but then the second half, he he just turned he just he just turned into a different guy. Um, and you know, obviously the rest is history. They won that football game, so I, I agree. I think Baltimore they're a good football team. Um, I'm surprised. You know, obviously Cleveland. I thought Cleveland would be a Cleveland would be a little bit more better, uh, a little bit better than what they actually have been. But that's fine. Uh, they they dealing with some injuries and so forth. Cincinnati's on the uprise, mm-hmm. but. I think but I think Buffalo is still the team to beat right now. As of right now in AFC, uh, like you said, it could be a totally different story uh come December. And and to tell you come come December. And, and to tell you the truth, I even think, you know, we saw the Ravens beat the Char- I think the Chargers playing at their best are a better team. I think the Chargers have more talent. Hmm. And and I think that I'm not gonna say Justin Herbert's better than Lamar Jackson, but uh, you know he can he can do some things that Lamar Jackson can as a as a as a thrower, um, so I mean, you know it's that's just kind of where it's at with w- w- how they are. Their team dynamic has changed from the past. It, it, it used to be where Lamar Jackson was a, a piece of the puzzle, and he I'm not gonna say he was a game manager, but he wasn't the sole reason why they were winning games. It was more of a combined effort. Where now it's kind of like they go wherever he goes, and that's the. You know, we we don't want them to become too Lamar centric, but the truth is, is that this team and, and and they're only five and one because Lamar's Lamar, and if he's anything less and he if he doesn't make the improvements that he's made as a passer, then they're they're not here. So yeah, you know, I'm I'm excited for what they have going on. I think it's 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 special. I love seeing um I, I love an underdog story. I love seeing teams overcome adversity. And I'll tell you this. This is. I'm not gonna say this is a hot take or this is a take at all, but you have to be careful, you know, with teams that that kind of that overcome adversity during the regular season. Because come playoff time, it's just kind of like, damn, do I really want to play these guys? They look, they made it through all this. I don't know if I want to play these guys. You right. know. So, and that was that was Tampa Bay last year. You know, that was when Kansas City won the Super Bowl. Kansas City went through a lot of adversity that year. Teams that go through adversity have the best chance of championships. So. Yeah, that's just kind of where it's at. I, I like that. This is a question that this is something that, that I've been talking about for over the like for the past year and a half now. But I think it's now starting to it's now starting to simmer up a little bit. And I pose this question because I every year I break down the draft, I talk about different quarterbacks and so forth. Uh and I want to ask this question. Do you think the league the NFL is becoming too quarterback centric. And let me break it down. Uh I feel like we're we're in a league right now where if you don't have if you don't have about if you don't have like that the guy behind center and I'm talking about like the like there's about probably about 9 or 10 of them. Like if you don't have obviously Mahomes, Rodgers, Wilson, Brady, Lamar, Herbert, Dak, Kyler, Stafford, like Josh Allen. If you don't have one of those guys, it's very difficult to be an elite team. And this is and this is my and this is my point right here. 
Sean McVay got fed up with Sean with, with Jerk Off. Uh, I call him small hands jerk off. Small hands. Uh <laughs> but <laughs> no, no, no. But Sean McVay got fed up with Jerk Off. Even despite the success that they had, you know, obviously got to the Super Bowl and so forth. He got fed up. Play calling wasn't the same. Uh limited play calling because Jerk Off was limited in his skill set. You know what, you know what Sean McVay and the Rams do and Les Need do? They went out and go get Matthew Stafford. Uh, I see Kyle Shanahan. Kyle Shanahan. Uh, obviously, we know about the Jimmy Garoppolo situation in the in the Super Bowl, where Garoppolo basically outplayed Mahomes three of the four quarters in the Super Bowl, but was un was unable to finish. And I think for me, I, I've came I came up with this theory this past offseason when the 49ers traded up the three to get Trey Lance. I was like, I think from that point on, Kyle Shanahan remembers that fourth quarter and he remembers the dynamic playmaking that took over in, in Patrick Mahomes. And he was like, I need a guy that can do that. If I had a guy that can do that in my system, I, I will be, I will be okay. And I think that was the push for him to get Trey Lance. I think he wanted something different. I think he had an epiphany. I think he wants, cause usually, you know, Kyle Shanahan aims for the guys like Garoppolo, Matt Schaub, Kirk Cousins, mm-hmm. Matt Ryan. Yeah. What happens, and, and I think with those guys, is you need the perfect play calling where it has to be the perfect play every single time. Same thing with Jared Goff and Sean McVay. has to be the perfect play every time. And sometimes you can't always call the perfect play. So what happens when the play breaks down? You're going to need a playmaker either with their legs or with their arm. So, Kenneth, this is my thing. I think we have come to a point where if you don't have a top 10 guy, it is going to be very hard for you to win Super Bowls. So, while I – it's that's a tough – that's a very tough topic and a very tough question because I think the – you know, we watch we, – we all watch watch football – every Sunday. And we know that that's the league is kind of moving towards that, but the football fan in me, the football guy in me just doesn't want to believe that Mm -hmm. you need this special rare air quarterbacks on the championship. What it is, is I think that people get googly eyes or it's kind of, and I'm going to make this, I'm going to make this, (laughs) look, I'm going to make this analogy and it just, just, you know, just bear with me. It's it's almost kind of like, Look, it's almost kind of like uh, two 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 guys are in the shower, and he looks over at the other guy, and he's like, "Man, man, this guy's blessed." But, <laughs> it, it's just kind of a similar type of thing. No, I mean, really, because you got to look at it like guys can't appreciate. You, and you've heard me say this before: mm-hmm. quarterbacks that we think are average, are slightly above average, are rare. Okay. Kirk Cousins playing great this year. Right. But we can agree that for most of his career, he hasn't been great. He's right. been like above average. Right. But guess what? Even when he was slightly above average, he was rare. Jimmy Garoppolo and all his and all all the mistakes that he's made, he's rare. Uh Baker Mayfield is rare. Case Keenum, who started for Baker Mayfield, is rare. Quarterbacks that can that you can win games with are rare. And I think that, you know, teams and coordinators have adopted this mindset that we need to have this once-in-a-lifetime passer as opposed to just building around a guy that's maybe, uh, you know, not as great, 
you know, doesn't have, doesn't have as many physical tools, but you know, how come we can't just build around this guy, build a dominant defense when Seattle won the Super Bowl, Seattle, Russell Wilson wasn't a dominant quarterback. You're right. People forget he did. He was a game manager his first two, three years. He didn't become a field general until about year five, year six. You know, the offense ran a, they had a dominant running game. They had a dominant defense. And if you look at granted, once again, we're in new times, but I have to look back. You look in the early two thousands when the Patriots won their first two to three championships, Tom Brady was not a great quarterback. He wasn't, he was a game manager. He was a very, he was a very efficient game manager. He put the ball where it needed to go. He didn't become a high volume passer until act two of his career. So I, I think the football guy in me doesn't want to believe that. And I think in a lot of ways it's kind of hurting, hurting the game because you're having guys come in and they're not even getting time. We're, we're not even giving guys a chance to grow because we're like, oh, you're not special. Okay, on to the next. <laughs> yeah. We'll we'll look in the draft. And that's like Josh Rosen. Think about this. Tua, Tua. who just got drafted. They're, they're watch this. We can, we're living in a world where who knows it could be. Ha- watch this. They could have been. They could be signing the paperwork right now, completed it as me and you are doing this, this podcast. Yeah, for Deshaun, Deshaun Watson. Watson is yes. Deshaun <laughs> Watson is probably going to to Miami, and and that's sad. You know, it's sad to be a quarterback. We even heard uh, Mark Sanchez just talked about that uh, not even too long ago, about a few weeks ago. And he was like, God, after like 08, 09, like guys don't get time anymore. Imagine if you go back in the 1970s, one quarter, when we talk about giving quarterbacks time, one quarterback I use who everybody talks up and blah, 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 Terry Bradshaw, it took Terry Bradshaw like five or six years to become a good quarterback. Right. Imagine if he's in this era. He wouldn't have the time. Right? It, watch. It took Troy Aikman as a Cowboy. It took Troy Aikman about three years. It took Troy. It took Emmett to come to Dallas for Troy Aikman <laughs> to become a better player. So, I, you know, I, I say all that to say, man, I, I think it has become a little bit too QB centric. It's just about the it's not about the importance of the position because the position is important. The games transform. Schemes have become more complex. Defensive coordinators have become smarter. Um, so you need a guy that's cerebral that can make critical cognizant decisions. You need that. But you it, it should never get to the point to where you you draft a guy and you're like, oh, you're not a generational talent. Okay, I can't. I can't win with you. You can't be my quarterback. Okay, that's why I can't. That's why when I hear Chris Carter say Tua can't be my quarterback, and I'm like, dude, you played with freaking Randall Cunningham and you played with Brad Johnson. What the hell are you talking about? <laughs> <laughs> so okay, let me let me okay let me play devil's advocate. And the football and you're right. The football fan in me don't want to see that because I because I I think I still want to see like New England for example. And many on many people know my listeners know if you're a regular listener of 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 the Isaiah Kid podcast, you know I'm not too fond of Mac Jones. I think Mac Jones is uh, uh I think he I think he's good. I don't I didn't so mind you, I didn't think Mac Jones would be a bus. I think he was gonna be pretty decent. I just think he has a low I think he has a low ceiling. I think he's more of a high floor, low ceiling type of player. I think he has. I think his ceiling is as high as the first floor of my dorm. Um, so I, it's no, it's no, it's no, no shot at him. It's just that I think he has a. I think he's a high floor player. But I don't know if I want a guy like that. And you mentioned Tua. You mentioned Baker. You mentioned Kirk Cousins. Like Tua in Miami, he may not be the problem, but is he the solution? 
Uh, I don't know. And, and with Baker, and you talk no, about. but he doesn't. He... Go ahead. I was going to no, say, go oh, no, no, go I was going to say, no, go I was going to say, because I look at a guy like Baker, you said, okay, why can't we build this great team uh, around a quarterback that doesn't have all of the, the gifts, right? The, you know, he, he doesn't have to be a top 10 guy, right? Because I think we can all agree Baker isn't a top 10 quarterback. Um, he's more no. in that 15 range, right? That, you know, whatever, whatever. Probably, hell, probably 20. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably 20. You, But he's not a top 10 guy. But Cleveland, no. to to this point, and before, prior to the season, a lot of people had high hopes for Cleveland, including myself, where we thought Cleveland could possibly win the North, and we thought they could be like a legitimate threat to Kansas City coming out of the AFC. But obviously injuries and so forth, but offensive line, they've built it. He has two workhorses behind him. He has weapons on the perimeter. He has tight end help. He got tight end depth. They've tried to improve the defense. Hasn't quite worked out, but they have tried. So my thing is with Baker is like, and, and, and I tell people this all the time, my, your coach, because people people ask me, how do I come up with some of these quarterbacks or my, my opinions about some of these quarterbacks? Look at what their coaches are doing. I, I thought it was a big telltale sign when Kevin Stefanski on third and 10 versus the Chargers Third and 10, the Browns have the lead. He run, he elects to run the football. Mind you, his, the, his, his, defense, his defense can't stop Justin Herbert. You're giving the ball back to Justin Herbert with these weapons, and your offense is, it, it, it has calculated over 500 yards of offense. Why run the football? You know why? Because he doesn't trust his quarterback in late down situations. That was that right there was a telltale sign for me. So when I see when I see little things like that, where the coach, you know, I can always tell when a coach doesn't trust their quarterback because they show it on late down situations. Mm-hmm. True, true. Um, th- that's one hundred percent true. But my, I think my thing about you know we're talking about Baker Mayfield. And I know a lot of he comes under a lot of fire. You know, obviously he had a big ego coming out of Oklahoma, number one overall pick. Right. If Baker Mayfield doesn't work out, Baker Mayfield didn't work out. That doesn't mean that you can't win with a guy that's not a top ten quarterback. So I think that's what people have to understand. Your people are using Baker Mayfield as the, you know, as the example when it, that that's to me that's very unfair. Um, for a lot of guys say what you want to say is as much as he has shortcomings and you know, I'm critical of this guy, the Rams made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. <laughs> they, they had a dominant running game and then they had a dominant defense, but they made a Super Bowl with Jared Goff. The 49ers made a Super Bowl with Jimmy Garoppolo and Jimmy Garoppolo actually played pretty damn good in that Super Bowl outside of the few, the key passes and key plays that he missed on. So, you know, I think a lot of it kind of falls on coaching. Uh, watch this. Here, here, here is definitely a hot take. I think a lot of a lot of coordinators and a lot of coaches want great quarterbacks because it's going to make their damn job easier. And I think it's it's less work that they have to do. Mm-hmm. They don't true. have to. They don't have to draw up these exotic schemes. Mm-hmm. Watch this. Think about this. Andy Reid. Excuse me. Over here. Headphones on. I had to scratch my ear. Andy Reid had Alex Smith mm-hmm. looking like a top eight, 
top 10, top eight guy. Yep. Andy Reid. So, and, you know, and I call Andy Reid, I think Andy Reid's the best offensive play caller the game has ever seen. That's that's my thing. Maybe I got used to seeing him in Philly eat us up. Um, <laughs> eat us up in Dallas. Yeah, so, I, you know, I got used to that. But that is a testament of a, a coach and a coordinator putting their player, putting their quarterback in the best in the best chance to be successful, um, giving him the best chance, every opportunity to be successful. And I think a lot of coordinators, I don't want to say they're lazy, but you maybe there are some guys who maybe we think that in all honesty, it may just be, okay, you have a great quarterback that can make plays off script. And it may just be that. That's why everybody, I think that's why everybody wants this, premier quarterback now okay. if you look at the 80s and 90s there weren't a lot of premier quarterbacks back then it was a lot of quarterbacks and you had quarterbacks that their job was to their job was really just to run the, it, it really was just to run the offense and make sure everybody was where they were supposed to be supposed to be but coordinators and coaches were so great they understood how to design plays how to make players successful how to put guys in the best position or best position to win. But somewhere along the line, you had transcendent guys come along like freaking Peyton Manning. And, <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, yeah. You had transcendent guys come along that, that kind of raised the bar or Dan Marino and coaches like, man, if I can give me a guy like that, I could, I could kind of sit back in my chair a little bit and let him run. It. Right. Right. I, and, and, and that's my take. That, yeah. That, that's what, that's what I genuinely believe. I mean, and that's not that's not a bad thought. Um, I, I I just look at some guys like we, we like we're mentioning we're mentioning the names that have had either that, that has really good teams like right now like Baker, i.e. Baker, um, or have had uh, successful runs with uh, brilliant offensive minds such as uh, you know obviously Golf and and Garoppolo and so forth. My my I guess my thing is is this is like I look at a guy like McVeigh. It was to a point where McVeigh, and we're seeing it now, where McVeigh uplifted golf more than golf. Well, right. Like, and I feel like, and I've said, I said this about Baker. I feel like with Baker, he's the beneficiary of the supporting cast around him. But the supporting cast around him, like the actual supporting cast, I look at a guy like OBJ, he benefits Baker, but what does OBJ get out of it? Like, I I just don't think the weapons get anything out of Baker, per se. So, so and I'll, I'll say this. Even though Baker benefits from the talent around him, he also has Kevin Stefanski who, as much as I, I respect and I love what Kevin Stefanski has done in Cleveland, he's been one of the better coaches, if not the best head coach that they've had in years. Yes. <laughs> but you have to look at what Kevin Stefanski did when he was in Minnesota. And the truth is, is that he wasn't able to get the best out of Kirk Cousins either. And mm. Kirk Cousins had some of the same games that UC Baker have. Mm. Where he's average, he doesn't throw for a lot of yards, um, misses the mark. So there's even though we want to get on Baker, there's a very fair argument that Kevin Stefanski may not have understanding of how to get us out of him. That's just the that that's the truth. Okay. But Kev, what watch this? But what did Kevin Stefanski what did Kevin Stefanski do in Minnesota? 
he got Dalvin Cook going. He knows how to get running backs going. Yeah. He knows how to run his own running scheme. Adrian Peterson. That's a stretch. For years. Adrian, Adrian Peterson. Yeah, right. Yeah, you know, he got da- he To me, he, Kevin Stefanski turned Dalvin Cook's career around. Dalvin, yeah. Dalvin Cook was, yeah. Dalvin Cook is a top five running back, you know? So that's, to me, that's his strength. I can't say, now maybe if you have a guy that it has a proven track record of helping quarterbacks and, okay, then Baker's not playing well, then we can talk. Then we have some issues. But when you have a guy like Kevin Stefanski who's shown, even in his job as a as an OC, that, you know, he couldn't get the, 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 the most out of a quarterback, then it's kind of like Baker's just in a situation where I'm not going to say it's a lose-lose. I don't think everything's over Cleveland. I just, I think, I think Baker is just kind of catching a lot of heat and a lot of fire and people are not realizing that he may not be in as good of a situation as people think he is. Okay. And that's fair. I actually haven't thought about that as far as Stefanski and Minnesota. Like I can tell you this, when, when, when Stefanski took first took over the job, when it, when he first got hired, I thought, I, I thought it was going to work out because I was like, I, I, I thought about, Cleveland's offensive line, and they had Kareem Hunt with Nick Chubb, and I'm like, be prepared to watch Cleveland run the football, and that's what they do. And you knew it. And that's and that's what he does. Now you bring up a you, but you added a layer when you said he doesn't, he didn't, he didn't uplift Kirk in Minnesota, and now we're 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 kind of we 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 might be watching something similar right now with Baker. And I feel like with me, I've always been pretty difficult on Baker. Um, I think even with a guy like Lincoln Rally, I feel like, you know, Lincoln Rally, I'm not gonna say he uplifted Baker, but Lincoln Rally, I think, has proven that he he's a good he's a good quarterback whisperer, right? He's a, he's like the quarterback whisperer he's, of college he's a, football. He's he's Lincoln Riley is a kingmaker. He's a Heisman maker. He's a yeah. Heisman maker and a, and, a, and a number one overall pick maker. And, yeah. and watch this. If if not for Lincoln Riley, Jalen Hurts is probably a six-round draft pick. Absolutely. Absolutely. And, yeah. You know, so that just shows you the strength. So I think the, the biggest thing that people have to understand, and I, this is what I want to challenge fans to realize, mm-hmm. it's not always that the player can't play or the player sucks sometimes it's that the coaching isn't great or, or the coaches just don't, they, they don't understand how to communicate or how to put this player in the best position to be successful. Okay. And, and I think that's, I think that's true. I think that's a point well taken. Um, and then you mentioned Tua. <laughs> I mean, I, I mean, how, how, how fast has that happened? Um, because I, I I don't know about you, but I was I was kind of relatively high on Miami, and they're one in five, they're their last place in the NF, in the AFC East, and we know about the rumors that's swirling about Deshaun Watson, and I don't think like I don't necessarily I don't know if Tua I don't necessarily think he's the problem, he's not, but I don't know if he's the solution, and and, and with Tua, I, I physically he just looks smaller than what I thought. I'm just not sure. I mean, if you're Miami, if you wanna, if if you have a chance to get Deshaun Watson, get him. But obviously, we all know about like the other stuff with that that could come or that would come with Deshaun Watson at this moment. But as far as a, from a football perspective, it makes sense. And to your point about coordinators and coaches 
wanting to lay back. And I'm not necessarily I'm not necessarily saying this about this particular coaching staff, but looking at what Miami is going through right now, Deshaun Watson could be the thing that saves Brian Flores and the general manager's job. You know what I mean? Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. I, I, I guess I, I get it. I get the intrigue. I, Deshaun Watson is immensely talented, and he's shown, he's shown his stuff since he's been since he came into the league in 2017. But one, you're going to have to give up valuable commodities uh, to get him. So you're going to have to give up draft picks and probably players. Miami, even though they haven't had the best season, they have some talent on their roster. Yes. They have talent in the receiver core. They have talent on their defense, especially in the secondary. So there's something to work with, and there's something to lose, and I think that they're going to lose something um, in, in getting a Deshaun Watson. But my issue is is it, it, sometimes I watch NFL coaching, and, and, and I don't want to be one of those, you know, uh, what do you call it? Armchair or, or uh, what's it called? Armchair quarterbacks or whatever you call them, guys. Mm-hmm. That sit on. I don't. I try to. Or you know, coordinators. I try not to be that type of guy. But sometimes you watch the decisions that some of these coaching staffs make, and you're like, like, are we watching the same game? Because when has Tua? Even though Tua has shown that he can throw the football at times, especially if he gets into a rhythm, he can make some very nice throws. Yes. When has he ever shown that he's this throw the ball 30, 40 times per game type of guy? He's never shown that. He's never shown that. He's never been that. So this is my question. As you put more emphasis on drafting Jalen Waddle, who I don't, and I like Jalen Waddle, but I don't think he was worth that pick. I think that you could have went elsewhere. Why do you... They have no excuse to not have drafted a, a, a very good running back last year. Hmm. They have no running game. They have no consistent. They needed to get a, dom, a, a dominant runner that they can lean on. That's how you get the best out of Tua. If you can let Tua operate off play action and you can take some pressure off him, Tua can be a good quarterback. But you're putting him in a position where he doesn't have – I like Miles Miles Gaskin isn't a 25-30 carry per game guy Mm-mm. he's not no he, he's a okay i'm gonna give him a, maybe 11 to 15 carries maybe he'll break one who knows but they don't have a workhorse back and right. to me that's the frustration that i have with that coaching staff you didn't put tua in the best position to succeed you didn't look at it you didn't look at his skill set you tried to build around him based off of how other teams build around their quarterbacks but tua isn't like those other quarterbacks Right. He needs, especially right now in his career, he needs a running game. Some quarterback people, people, I argue with guys about this all the time. People don't understand how much young, so many young quarterbacks need a running game the first three to four years of their career. Running games are essential to winning, but in the beginning, some guys really need it. They need the game to slow down. They can't be the focal point. But what Miami's trying to do is they want Tua to be the focal point. And just because he can't, now they want to go out and reach and get Deshaun Watson. Right. Well, you know, I, I don't know. I can't say maybe, you know, Deshaun Watson comes in and he can do some things that Tua can. Uh, but, yeah. you know, you're 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 playing with fire. That's all I'm saying. Yeah. Yeah. And, 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 and you can, if you make a good point, um, did they build, did they necessarily, because when you, in, in, in hindsight, Waddle doesn't really fit what Tua likes to do, 
But then there was the whole Alabama connection. This this was a, you know, the 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 receivers in this draft were loaded. And and to your point, but to your point, there's good receivers. I mean, it seems like every year is a good receiver draft because you can get receiver receivers at a premium now. You know, they they're just they're 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 just that good now. Um, so you make a good point about the Sean, about the, the the whole Miami situation and Deshaun Watson. Uh, obviously, if they were to get him, he's gonna be like he, he's a, he's a proven commodity. Like you said, he's a anytime when he's on the field. Last time we saw Deshaun Watson, he was arguably a top five quarterback, right? Top five, top six, however you want to mark it down. Uh, he was he was that. Yeah, see, he he was that. So you know, he obviously he's gonna do more things, and he's not gonna have necessarily the limitations that Tua comes with or that Tua may have. Um, but uh, I'm a I'm a transition to top ten teams. Uh, so on my podcast, uh, I, and I already I already revealed my top ten teams. So my my listeners already know my top ten teams for this week. So on a weekly basis, I do a top ten teams list. I look at it. I I really take it serious. Um, I try to, I don't just go by record. I don't do, I don't like the whole power rankings thing. It's not a power. I don't even like to call no, it a power. power. Rankings is trash. Yeah. Yeah. Power rankings is trash. I don't, I don't like it. I do my own, I do my own personal top 10. Um, for instance, uh, the Denver Broncos, they were three and no, I didn't have them in my top 10. You know why? Because the opponents that they beat were a combined 0 and nine. You're not a top 10 team. Now I do think the Broncos have a lot of talent. They got some talent there over there um, that they can, you know, if they if they get the right quarterback under center, they could really do some things. But ne- nevertheless, I just wanted to give an example as of how serious I take my top ten. I don't care about your record. Um, <laughs> I I don't care about your record. So for for, for your sake, I'm gonna I'm gonna, I'm gonna list my top. Oh, I had my top ten already. I'm going to give you my top 10, and then you can give your listeners your top 10 NFL teams going into week seven. So my top 10 was uh, I, had the char- I had the Chargers at 10, uh, the Tennessee Titans at 9, uh, I had the Packers at 8, Kansas City at 7, uh, the Bucks at 6, the Cowboys at 5, the Rams at 4, uh, the Ravens at 3, uh, and the Bills at one, and then the Arizona Cardinals. I mean, at the Bills at two, and then the Bills. I mean, and then the Cardinals at one. Sorry, uh, th- those are my top ten teams going into Week Seven. Mm-hmm. All right. So, and that's a that's a good list. Now, I, now, our, now, honestly, I did I had did a top five list, but you know what? A top ten is not really hard. Um, I, I, I for the top of the top five, I have a. a a lot of NFC teams because mm-hmm. I think right now the NFC is just playing better football. So you have some guys in the NFC that are just playing better football. I actually have, I'll start from the top. I have Arizona at one. Okay. You have to respect it. Just right now they're undefeated. They're playing good football. They have continuity. Kyler is a candidate. Um, and you have AJ Green looking like AJ Green again. Right. You know, Who knew? I seen him catch a touchdown. I said, man, look, dude, dude. <laughs> um, and then I still got questions about Cliff Kingsbury, but so far so good. He Hopefully he can, he can make the jump. So, Arizona at one. Um, I'm not being biased when I say this, but you guys, I have to put Dallas at two. I, I had the bet two last there week. Are two or three bad teams. Right. I, I don't think there are many teams that are playing better football. Buffalo's not playing better football than Dallas. And watch this. Anybody that says that Dallas hasn't played anybody, you have to look at some of these other teams' records. They haven't really played. Buffalo hasn't played much of anybody. Right. Right. The best Buffalo signature win was against Kansas City, and Kansas City isn't looking great this year. So, 
Um, yeah, so I got Dallas at two, Dak on par with Kyler Murray. You know, you got this great young talent performing beyond their years. They they drafted really well, um, and then they have the potential to be even more dangerous once guys come back off the injury. Michael Gallimore, Demarcus Lawrence, right, uh, etc. You know, all these guys, Michael right. Gallup. So, um, and then at three, the Rams. Um, Matthew Stafford, we can, you know, keep talking about him. Matthew Stafford is fitting very well into that Sean McVay system. Um, the defense is still very good. They lost Brandon Staley, the defensive coordinator, but they they definitely have some good things going on there. I think the Rams arguably are one of the more complete teams in the National Football League. Agreed. Because um, they, they have a good, a, a, a actually good defense and a, a very explosive offense. Um, only thing they're missing is they're, they're trying to find out um, whether Sony Michelle or, or Henderson, who, who can kind of spark the running game. So that's their enigma or that's their dilemma right now. Once they figure that out, they could easily be one next week. Could you imagine um, them? And- if, could you imagine? Sorry, but could you imagine them with Cam Akers? <laughs> Lord Jesus. Oh, it'd be, it'd be ugly. It'd be ugly. I think, I think, I think the, uh, look, I think the football gods knew what they were doing. They said, no, we can't let this happen. <laughs> Cam makers, you gotta go. So, uh, you know, they had to be fair. They had to give everybody a fair shake. Um, at four, I have the Ravens tough blue collar, resilient team, right? Overcoming injuries. Lamar's playing elite. Um, and then they had movement from key players and gotten the play that they've needed from Mark Andrews, Hollywood Brown, and then, you know, you also have some younger guys step up um, on the defensive side of the ball. So I got, I definitely got Baltimore at five. They're five and one, so you got to respect it. Um, all right, they got, got them at four. At five, I have the Bills, uh, you know, Josh Allen playing great. It, they ran, a lot of people got on them for that QB sneak, but the truth is, you guys, like, it's Josh Allen. He's he's 6'5", he's 240, he's athletic. I've watched him stiff arm defensive ends and linebackers to the ground like they're children. Um, so I probably go for I probably go for a QB sneak with Josh Allen as well. So it's one of those plays, damned if you do, damned if you don't. Yes. You just gotta kind of dust yourself off and keep moving. So um, you know they got this poised, well-rounded defense, very vet, uh, veteran defense. They have one of the best safety tandems in the lead, and Micah Hyde and, and Jordan Poyer. Yep. Um, and they're the, essentially they're the same team that they really are. They they just they have great continuity. They have a lot of the same guys. It's it's a very familiar system. Guys understand everything, and they're just getting better. So that's what I like. They just kind of picked up right where they left off last year. So I, I have uh, Buffalo um, at five. At six, I have the Chargers. Mm. They lost to Baltimore. Uh, the pretty, you know, I, not what I expected. I thought it was going to be a little bit closer. But they got some good things working for them. Keenan Allen is Keenan Allen. Then now you got Mike Williams looking like a top 10 receiver. He's right. playing out of his mind. <laughs> you know, uh, Justin Herbert, we can say enough about him. Justin Herbert is it continues to make his case as a as a uh, – as a top five MVP caliber quarterback every year. And defensively, they're, they're, they're good. They're not great. They have some bad games, but they, there's something to work with. They're like a ball of clay. You know, you have Joey Bosa, and then obviously you got Derwin James. He's right. healthy for the first time in a long time. And then they got this young special guy from Florida State, Asante Samuels Jr., yeah. who – who I tell people all the time, he's probably the only person I watch when I watch Asante Samuels Jr. play, 
I say he's his father's son. He's yeah. exactly like his father. He jumps routes. He takes the ball away. So they got a, they got some things to work with. I like the Chargers. I think they're legitimate contenders um, in the AFC. So that that's who I have at, at six. At seven, I have Green Bay. Uh, Green Bay, Aaron Rodgers is kind of getting back on track. Devontae Adams is looking like the best receiver in football this year, so he's kind of staking his claim on that. Um, Aaron Jones is, is playing pretty good. Defensively, they, they've had some hiccups. They've had times where they played good and times where they played great. I think the only issue with, with Green Bay is they really haven't played anybody, in my opinion. Right. Uh, they've played a lot of bad teams, and they've looked and they've and they've looked it's made them look a little bit better. But uh, sometimes you see them slow coming out the gate. Mm-hmm. They're still not clicking all the way on offense. They're still figuring things out on defense. That's why I have them, even though they're five and one, I have them behind a, a, a two, four and two teams, just because I feel like they're uh, less of, you know, they're less of a finished product than those other two teams. So I have, yeah. So I have uh green Bay at six. I have Tampa Bay at seven. Tampa Bay kills me because maybe it's because they're dealing with injuries and, you know, maybe a Super Bowl hangover. They're not playing terrible. I'm not, mm-hmm. I'm not knocking them and make it seem like they're playing terrible, but you know, one week you look like a, a, a dominant team that just won the Super Bowl, And then you, the next week you play the Philadelphia Eagles and you barely beat them, you know? So I don't, I don't know what it is. I think that they're, maybe they're just going through the ebbs and flows uh, you know, I have to probably have to look a little, look a little bit closer at the injury report. Maybe they're still kind of working out some kinks and working out some cogs offensively. But there's definitely something going on um, behind the scenes because they just something's missing. They don't look like they don't they don't look right. And, and defensively, they they have some they definitely have some injuries in the secondary. So, yeah. But they're still a good football team. They're still a contender. You'll still see them piece things uh, piece things together as the season wears on. So just kind of look forward to them kind of making some improvements going forward. And then um, I would have to put Tennessee at eight. Tennessee at eight. Tennessee's, they're that team that maybe it, they're not necessarily special. They're not. <laughs> but they, they find a way to get the damn job done. And <sighs> earlier you mentioned you mentioned uh, quarterback a quarterback-centric league. I'm going to tell you guys this. Derrick Henry is doing everything in his power to destroy that narrative. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Literally, like so, Kenneth. I, I I hate to interrupt you again. I seen this stat. This stat is ridiculous. I know Nick Chubb got hurt, but and I think you may have posted it. Derrick Henry. Okay, he's the league's leading rusher, obviously, right? Because yes. he, he, he's he's yes. he's 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 balling. But then he has as many yards after contact that. Nick Chubb has, who is the second leading rusher in football. That's insane. It's it's absolutely ridiculous. And, you know, you look at what Derrick Henry's doing. I think the the, the main reason why he's able to absorb so many carries is because he breaks so so damn many of them. It's not (laughs) like he's every carry he gets, he's he's meeting contact. Like, no, this dude is – I've never seen – I've never seen a running back break more 60 and 70 yarders and in, in I've never seen it in, in the history of the game. So what he's doing right now is unprecedented and he's really, that's the one running back oriented team, you know, that 
literally he's the face of that team. And, and I think now they understand that they go as he goes. Yeah. So <laughs> when you go against them, it's no mystery, you know, play the run. So I, I have to put them at, at eight. They're, they're continuing to stick around. They're showing a little bit more on defense. Some of the drafts are kind of starting to finally flex their muscles. Uh, Jeff, uh, was it, is it Jeffrey Simmons at yeah. Mississippi state? Mm-hmm. And he, he, you know, he had that big stop that, uh, on that QB sneak against Buffalo and then Harold Landry at a Boston college. He's looking like he's finally going to have his first double digit sack season. He is. He's coming along. Yeah. You know, and they still have some, 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 um, some nice veterans and, uh, you know, the safety, what's his name? I always pronounce his name wrong. Is it Bayard? I was Bayard. Say it right. Bayard. Kevin Byard. Byard. Right. Yeah. Byard. Okay, good. Thanks for correcting me. So they have they have some good things working. I have them at eight. And I think if they continue to play their brand of football and Derrick Henry keeps running like the hell he's running now, they're going to be a problem for anybody. At nine, this may come as a surprise. I got Oakland. And the only reason I would say I have Oakland is because you know, they get they got rid of John Gruden, who, you know, we know what happened with that situation has become a, a huge distraction. Right. But they actually they looked really good the other day versus Denver. Uh, Oakland, yeah, they did. Yeah. Oakland looked. Uh, I said Oakland, Vegas. Yeah, um, I, I get it. The Raiders, yeah, yeah. The Raiders, uh, the Raiders looked really good. You know, they uh, you you're seeing them do a lot more stuff, throwing the ball down the foot. They're taking more advantage of Henry Ruggs' skill set. Skill set. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, Josh Jacobs is getting healthier. Eric Carr might be the most underrated quarterback in football. I think he gets so disrespected when it comes to quarterback rankings and people try to make it seem like he's average. No, Derek Carr's a damn good quarterback. Absolutely. I think it's just maybe because he plays with the Raiders that he does not, he just doesn't get that shine of publicity. It's just not as attractive, but he's definitely up there. So I, I have Oakland. They've made something. Watch this. Max Crosby is becoming a tier one passer in the National Football League. Look he's at that. His name up there with guys like. Man, Max Crosby's looking damn good. He's looking better than uh, what's his name, y- y- Yannick Naguku, and they just signed yeah. him. He was with Baltimore last year, you know. Right. And Max Crosby's playing head and shoulders better than he is, right? And the guy they drafted the first round the same year as him, Cleveland Farrell. So uh, I-, I definitely have them at at nine. I think that they're they can continue to win some football games, and they've played some good teams. So it's not like they haven't played anybody. I think they're just kind of patching things and they're they're overcoming the uh the 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 John Gruden situation, but they definitely have the talent to to still be a playoff team. And at 10, I have the Cincinnati Bengals. Hmm, okay. Uh, yeah, I have the Cincinnati Bengals at 10. Uh Joe Burrow is very confident. He he has a lot of moxie for a young guy. And he's kind of he's playing better than I thought he was. As a matter of fact, I one of my buddies was bragging on Joe Burrow, and I had to do a double. You ever heard somebody talk about a player? You're like, hey, let me let me go ahead and look do my homework. You know, I had to look at Joe Burrow's stats. I'm like, damn, okay, he's you know he's been playing damn good ball. He's balling, and um, he's balling. Yeah, you know. And Joe Mixon is Joe Mixon is having a good year. They have a plan. They have really good really good weapons on the perimeter. Yeah, and, and um and Tyler Boyd and you know, uh, Jamar Chase, the receiver they just 
Jamar Chase, right? Yeah. Jamar Chase and um, Uzma, the tight end that they have. So they have a lot of a lot of weapons defensively. They're patching things together. They have a, kind of a blue collar type of defense. Um, not special. They don't have any special pass rushers, but they just get the damn job done. Right. So they play really hard. I'm excited. Zach Zach Taylor is looking like he could possibly save his job or at least buy himself another year or two. So uh, I'm excited for what they're doing. They they won some they won some games. They play hard, um, and they've pushed some good teams. And even the two losses, I think, what they lose to Green Bay. Green Bay and uh, yeah, I, I forgot the other team, but they 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 lost to Green Bay and Chicago. Right, it was the Chicago game was blah, but against yeah. Green Bay, they didn't lay down. No, they didn't, and they and they actually were very close to winning that. They winning had a chance to win. Game, so. Yeah, they had a chance to win. So those are my top 10 teams. Um, very unspectacular, very uh, strongly opinionated. Some people may like, this guy sucks, right? But, hey, that's my top 10. I, I, these are teams I like. I've watched them. I've got an opportunity to, to, to see what they're doing and what they're building. I cannot, out of respect for other teams, I cannot put Kansas City in my top 10 right now. That's a that's a disrespect to teams that are just playing better than they are. Hmm. I, and I can agree with that. I think um, you, you, a lot of the reasonings that you gave for those teams, some of the same reasonings that I gave were that were the same on um, on, on the previous episode. Uh, I thought about so let me tell you this: I thought about putting the Raiders because you make an excellent point. I've been trying to tell people for such a long time. I'm like Derek Carr, he is better than what you think. Is he a top? Is he like a bona fide top ten guy? Probably not, but like if you couldn't have a top 10 guy, Derek Carr is like your next best option. Like he is that good. And um, I don't know. I just see he kind of like he's I don't I don't think he's as good as Romo necessarily, but I see a lot of Tony Romo where he just he just went he just finds a way to win some games with bad teams, quite frankly. Like bad, like I mean the Raiders, you you, you, you their defense, their defenses over the last couple several years haven't been able to stop a nosebleed. Hasn't been great. Like, like it just hasn't been great at all. So I, 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 I don't have them on my top ten, but I did have them on my top ten. But then the last couple games, and with my thing with the Raiders is they've been kind of fortunate to to win some of these overtime games. Sometimes the ball go your way, you got a little luck here and there. So I'm not mad with with you having them at, in your top ten. Like you said, it's your top ten. It's a really good top ten. Um, different from mine's, but I agree. Uh, a lot of the teams are like just a little bit. You 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 have some teams higher. I have some teams lower, so forth. But um, yeah, I I, I like your top ten list. I like your top ten. You brought you brought the rate. I thought the Rams point was an excellent point. I think they're one of the more complete teams in football. Um, very complete. Very complete. Uh, I, I even with the loss of Brandon Staley and, and some of their guys in the secondary, like John Johnson to the Cleveland Browns or mm-hmm. Troy Hill. They still been able to bring, uh, still been able to be an excellent unit defensively. Uh, no surprise, and it kind of helps when you have Jalen Ramsey and Aaron Donald. You know that that helps too. And Aaron Donald <laughs> on the same freaking field. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, 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 that helps just yeah. a little bit. But um, two, 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 two guys that are literally the best at their position. Literally, li- like literally, they're they're the best at the position. So okay. like that helps a little bit. Um, I think your Bucks point was excellent. Uh. I, I, because I, I said the same thing. They, I think three, they have three, like three of their top four guys in their secondary are hurt. But I don't know. It's just something not clicking. Sometimes they look good. Sometimes like world beaters. And then the next, like, 
they just look mediocre. You're like, what is going? Yeah, exactly. What? They play down to they play down to their competition. It's just like it, it's crazy. But you know what? It's almost similar to how they were playing last year, mm-hmm. where they were very up and down. Up but and down. In, this, in November, December, they bear down and they just they run it, and won the Super Bowl. But then, if you were, that's why what kills me when people are like talking about Tampa Bay. I'm like, first of all, dude, nobody predicted them being Super Bowl a Super Bowl team. If you were to, if if you were even at week twelve, week twelve, week thirteen last year. Nobody had them as 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 the consensus Super Bowl pick. No, nobody no. had them because they had no. just gotten embarrassed by Kansas City. Like, no, we didn't. We didn't have them as a top as a as a Super Bowl pick, um, or or or, or draw in. Um, but I think, but that's what I'm thinking. I'm thinking once November, like after that Thanksgiving break, I think they're gonna start clicking. December comes around. They're gonna be like they, they, you know, they're gonna smell playoff football. They're gonna get some guys back healthy. I think that's where they will try to turn it up a little bit. That's why I keep them in that six, seven range because I, they're not, they're not, they're not playing like a top five team right now. But I feel like you give them a couple weeks in a row consecutively where they get some healthy, they get some healthy guys back on their roster, especially on defense. They can easily be that team, you know. They can easily look like the team to beat again. You know what I mean? So don't don't sleep on Tampa. I, I don't I don't I don't I don't sleep on Tampa. They're gonna be right there in the midst of the playoffs when it's time. Um, I, I you know I love the Chargers. Uh, I their their loss was kind of concerning, and the reason why I had them at ten so low, um, was because they obviously have a weakness defensively, which is they can't stop the run. Like, you know, they, they can't stop the run. They can't stop the run. And, 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 and it's okay uh, to to a certain degree, but when you have a great quarterback like Herbert, teams are going to try to scheme against that, and teams are going to be like, what's the best way to stop an elite quarterback? Keep him on the sideline. Chew up clock. Keep him on the sideline. Um, that's how teams beat. That's how team. That's how a lot of teams used to beat Peyton Manning. That's how a lot of teams used to beat Tom Brady. Like you keep you 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 keep them on you you run the football effectively and you keep them on the sideline. Your defense doesn't have to face it. Yeah. So that's what teams could do against the Chargers. But I think the Chargers are really good. Uh, I think the Bills. I think for me, you mentioned their continuity. They have some COVID stuff. The back they got the, they got the little vaccine thing going on that scares me, but. They overall, to me, have the best roster. I thought their long weakness defensively was not being able to generate a pass rush last year. Now they're able to generate a pass rush along with those oh, yeah. secondary guys you mentioned. You mentioned Poyer, Micah Hyde, obviously Trey White, um, Tredavious White. So I think that the, with the continuity, I deem Buffalo as the best AFC team, but I like your top 10. Well said. Most definitely, nah, man. You know, we got, we got uh, You know me. I don't follow. I don't follow the status quo. I, <laughs> yeah. I go off of what I see and what I think. But you know, it's it's fun. It's fun hearing other people's opinions because you know somebody can listen, look at my and be like, man, this is absolute terror. And I would be interested to hear their list. You know, and they may have some some points and they may have some takes that maybe I didn't think about. So that's the that's the fun thing about sports talk. We get right. to, to see other people see things from different points of views. Exactly. Um, but I'm gonna wrap it up right here. Um, I hope you guys have enjoyed this. Obviously, you know what, like I do with every guest, I'm gonna leave the link in the description. 
So when you guys at the end of this episode or even at the beginning of the episode, you guys can check out Kenneth's podcast. Really good podcast. You guys, you as you guys can tell, he has really good insight on some sport on, on the on the sport of football, not just football, but just sports in general. Um, you know, he does a really good job at that. So I will leave the link in the description. You guys will be able to tap it, uh, click it, whatever. Uh, go check his podcast out. Go listen to it. Go be, become a subscriber or follow it or, or so forth. Um, and I will leave, I will also leave your socials in the link of the description so people can go follow you or whatever. Um, you know how that things go. But thank you, Kenneth. I greatly appreciate you coming on to the pod. Uh, I would love to have you back sometime around football season again, Still, you know, during uh, the football season. But thank uh, you. No, most definitely. I appreciate it, man. It's, al- it's always a good time. So we'll, we'll, look, we'll definitely talk soon. I don't want to catch you on Clubhouse. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, for sure, for sure. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but thank you. All right, man. All right, I'm going to end good, it. man. Have a, you do this. have a good one. Thank you. Uh, so I'm going to end it right here. I uh, hope you guys enjoyed this Saturday episode of the Isaiah Kid Podcast. Told you guys I will be back on Saturday. So that that was that's great. You guys have this Saturday episode. Always remember two choices, one decision. I am out. Peace, deuces. Enjoy some football, college football. Uh, enjoy the weekend. I will be back on Wednesday. <laughs>